Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hi, we would like to acknowledge the Chumash, Keech, and Tongva people who are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we are potting today. And we would love to pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Salad or Dolly, threw a great party. We all drank Bacardi, it got kind of gnarly. We're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you reached out. It's um, and it's been it's been a while. I think there's people in your. We're recording. Yeah, we're right? recording. We're recording. There's people in your life that I think it's nice to have a check in, even if it's once a decade. So, so to fill people in, this book is about your marriage and subsequent divorce from Ben Mendelsohn, and mm, it's incredibly yeah. candid. So, in that's the first thing that. I wanted to know about was, whereas, you know, your voice in my head, there was a lot of disguising the characters yeah. who were involved. Yeah. What is the, because pro- yeah. Ioni's also writing a memoir at the moment. And, and, and so, but, but what, what is the process of writing about a divorce so candidly okay, and in terms well, of permission I mean, and that? Um, I think you both have experienced Ben Mendelssohn enough to believe me when I say that early on when I said to him, you know, I'm, I, there's no way not to write about you, that of course his response was, <laughs> um, what was it? It was just, just make, it was like, just make me unforgettable and say I have a big cough. <laughs> and well, look, I mean, people kind of, that's received wisdom, you know, that's not going to be, I, I'm very happy to do that. I thought, I wonder if he'll keep his word if I do that. Um, and then, of course, I had to give it to him for a legal read and also because I want to co-parent. Of course, I want to give it to him. And um, the legal side, they wanted a legal, you know, written sign-off at the publishers. And I had tried to explain, that's not Ben. Like, you're going to have a hard time getting him to actually respond to an email and to write in a legal form. But what they used instead was this just incredible voicemail he left me when he finished reading it, where he was crying, saying, I think it's a spiritual book and I'm just really honoured to be a part of it. Uh And And he had also asked me, in that first conversation where he asked me to relay that he has a big cock, he had asked me to also, he had said, Emma, do you feel that what you're writing moves the ball forward artistically? In terms of memoir, are you doing something to push the ball forward. And I said, oh, yeah, I think that I am. You know, I'm trying to. I think I am. And he's like, well, that matters. So because we knew each other's work before we met, that's residual when you're not in love anymore. In fact, even in the moments when you hate each other, in the year when you hate each other, when you're hammering out financials, that is incredibly helpful to respect each other's art. Were you immediately thinking, like, how, like, I can't remember how you described his 
his cock, but like <laughs> I'm, immediately I, as a writer, I'd be thinking, wait, where am I going to, how am I going to put that in? That'll be great. Like, get on, what? get on <laughs> thesaurus.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the start, yeah. Um, right. he, uh, he respects artists. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he, um, that means a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. And it gives me something useful in the moment, in the inevitable moments in a divorce of just like loathing the other person of being like, there is beauty in there because I've seen it on a screen, mm, you know. Yeah. So, were there parts that he asked you not to, asked you to take out? Um, he had a very he'd asked me to keep our daughter to a minimum, um, which you know she's so charismatic as you can feel from the book that that that's hard just because we want to put more of her in. But um, the little of her that is in there he went to her and I guess she would have been eight when he did this, when I gave him the finished copy. He said, mum says this about you in the book. Are you okay with it? And she said, yeah. And so then he said it was okay. I, our kids mm. are older, but I do think it's going to be really interesting for both of them when they read your book or hear about it. I just think there's, no matter how close we are and transparent we try to be with our children, the way we would write artistically about our lives is not the way we talk yeah. to our kids. It's got a level of well, yeah, realness. It, there's that really, there's that thing that's so difficult for children to understand. And in fact, for parents to accept, which is that we're not the same person because so much of the time it does feel like you're literally part of each other, parent and child. Um, and she or your children probably wouldn't, recognize the description of themselves because they're not you mm. you know and that sort of uh, it's beautiful and it is it's painful for both of you like I even was thinking about how um one of the things about the book is it's sort of sorry if I'm jumping no, ahead no, but it's a lockdown inside a lockdown inside a lockdown because um I filed for divorce I feel like we filed we filed for divorce the week that Trump was elected and so the two events became very strongly associated in my mind. And I realized after a little bit that I had ridden through my life on a surfboard of romantic obsession since I became sexually active when I was 16. And there had not ever been a recalibration of like, okay, well, I'm not 16 now. I'm middle-aged now. I'm in my forties now, or I'm 40 now. When I wrote it, am I still into what I was into? Do I still like the kind of guys I liked? Am I still turned on by the same thing? And to figure all of that out, I need quiet. So uh, I took this vow of celibacy that would last the term of Trump's presidency. And I didn't have sex or date or hold anyone's hand except my kids until Trump was gone. So poetic. I love that. Um, <laughs> But then the lockdown inside the lockdown is so you have the lockdown of celibacy and then you've got the lockdowns of the pandemic while I was in the celibacy. Um, and that was kind of perfect. I'm, I'm so loath to say it because obviously the pandemic was so devastating. The shutdowns were so devastating psychologically, economically for so many people, especially for artists. But for me, creatively, those proper lockdowns that we had here 
in London, where we were allowed one mandated walk in the park a day, were epically creative because they felt like a wormhole. Mm. It just was time that was once in a lifetime time that you'd never get again. Um, and it was a combination of not having sex, but being in my 40s, so feeling very sexual, because I don't know if you agree, I only, but I definitely did come into my sexual power in my, you know, I, it, 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 that is when it hit. Yeah. That is when I felt more ravenous than ever. Mm. So if you feel that way, but you're not having sex, it becomes a kind of alchemy. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do all the breathing. You did, did you do a lot of that, like breathing the energy up the spine or any of those spiritual practices people do to stop themselves becoming violent? No, I just thought... <laughs> I say in the book, I just got horny for the moon. Like I, I did start wondering. Oh, I think I'm the actual literal description of a witch because <laughs> yeah. I'm an aging woman who's like hot for the moon. <laughs> who, <laughs> um, it felt it felt pagan, pleasantly pagan. Mm. Yeah, I really felt for you in that moment. Um, I think when we when all the lockdowns happened, we were each so consumed in our own personal family dramas. Um, yeah. But yeah. Single parents, um, especially yeah. ones that didn't have outdoor space and things like that. And we are, we're friends yeah, with yeah. lots of single mums. Um, and I yeah. really felt for, it's like, I think as a single mum, you do rely on community too. And it was, yeah. I don't know, it was a, it, that seemed like a big, big challenge. I appreciate that. I, but I think um, I also help myself because I know, I don't know about you guys or the people that you knew, but for sure there were so many parents who were like, I'm so stressed out because we're trying to do the home learning and following the curriculum from home. I didn't do that for a single second. I'm like, you want to play with your doll's house the entire month? That's fine. Yeah, we were like, that too. We were like, the world's ending. <laughs> Why does it matter? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also you're, ha- you're- and that's the other but thing. But now we're paying for it <laughs> with the school syllabus now. Oh, yeah. No, I feel like it was for sure rewarding. And I also tried not to gaslight her when she'd say, and she still says, like all little kids do because they're taught about global warming and they're very concerned about that at school. She says, what's going to happen if the world does end? And I never say it's not going to because it kind of feels like it might. So I just say, I'll be holding you. Yeah, it's it's a trip. Yeah, parenting through global crises is something I never considered. Like my dad grew up in London during World War II yeah. and he was oh. he was shipped out. They, they made all the kids go stay with foster families in the country because London was getting yeah, bombed and my dad yeah. was six yeah. and he heard yeah. the law that orphans were allowed to ride on the trains for free. So he'd run away from these foster houses, get on the train back to London at six years old and say, I'm an orphan. And they let him on. He showed back up on his parents' doorstep twice, and eventually mm-hmm. they were like, "We're not sending you." But it's so—it's a very particular experience of trying to hold space for your kids and communicate honestly, yeah. but not scare them too much. Yes. you know, Goldie yeah, was just yeah, like, yeah. "I just don't want to die. Am I not going to die?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like so yeah. intense. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, I and mean, you read it, so you remember. There's the part near the end where we got trapped with. I got trapped with my ex-husband in lockdown for six weeks when the airport shut down and we're living in a two-bed top-floor flat. I'm actually here, right? I'm I wondered if that was the – because I just saw that you look like you're in an attic. Yes. I'm in the attic. 
Um, and actually, I'm just going to tell I don't want to ruin your recording, but that's the little nest uh, where Ben oh would sleep for the whole of the lockdown. Well, uh, but that even felt right too. Yeah. You know, it's one thing divorce, but you don't think you won't be together when the world ends, yeah. really. So that was kind of right as well. Yeah. We yeah. were in Australia for some of it. And at first it was like weirdly open. It was. It felt like the yeah. only place in the world, New Zealand <clears throat> and Australia, that were, yeah. which felt odd. And then it went kind of London, Italy, strict lockdown. Australia, yeah. to, you know. Yeah. You've have you spent yeah. time in Australia? Yeah. So I have Ben has an older daughter who's still my. We, we met her when we were. Yeah, there. we were hanging out with. I became kind of like we would meet in the park. I hit it off with her. So I we we sort of had a couple meaningful like walks around the park in Sydney and and she was going to New York or something but is she back in yeah so Soph and I are still very close and very close with her mum and you know fun I don't know if it's a me thing but I'm very close with my ex-husband's new fiance I'm very close with the mother of his old uh um I think it's potentially the gift of of the slight gift of slight, healthy, uh, non-malignant narcissism yes. where when the person before and after is like really lovely, impressive and beautiful, you're like, yeah, I fit right in here. Very happy with these people. Yes. Approve of this. Let's be friends. I know. I have a and similar I- thing with Kate, my older ones. His wife he had after me, they're now separated. Yeah. I'm very close with. And then his daughter he had with the wife. And yeah, I also will become... Yeah. I'm friends with everyone around him. I I think a a massive theme for me of this book was about the the type of romance that is full of these like grand poetic gestures um, and how exciting they are, but how, like you said, and and I think artistic people are really prone to that. And I don't mean to compare this at all, but I just watched the Kardashians, something of, um, you know, Travis and Courtney and having like a million flowers on the beach. And, and, And it's like a certain type of personality that needs to like the whole world to know when they're in love and wants it just to be perfect and idyllic and how that flame burns and almost like a, it's weird how like this almost resentment can come in after for the person. I just wonder what your whole take is on that type of, romance having lived through it now also multiple times in other relationships multiple yeah. times um i think uh it's almost like artistically i always think about the concept of the snowflake idea which is the idea i bet you've had it with songs that's so perfect and beautiful and you can see it and when you put out your hand to catch it it melts in your hand because it's a snowflake and it's gone and I realized when I look back, there were a lot of snowflake relationships that were just, they're just like so exquisite, but you're not meant to catch them in your hand. Yeah. And that's sort of how hmm. I look at it. Um, and with Ben specifically, and I don't know if he feels the same way about me. What I do know is that at the end of it, we really know each other. Like we really know each other well. And the next time, I'm in a long 
term very serious thing with someone I would like to know them less well and I would like <laughs> for them to meet me slightly less well because I don't think it necessarily helps well we're both I, like, do you I, have- I don't know if it's I believe in astrology but we're Virgos and Virgos can be kind of private and vain but it's weird we're both no farting in front of each other. I don't know. Like we both have this like vanity that. that I, th- but you know, we definitely over the years have we got, we do know each other now. But there is a sort of privacy that we have. But I don't know. No, I just said I think that's a beautiful thing, and it's sort of a, a expansion on the idea of like husbands and wives having different bathrooms. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be the joy if everybody could have that? And yeah, the yeah. note you guys give each other on your wedding day that's like the get out of jail free for being awful to each other that's like is it like say oh yeah yeah it's, it's, it's a business card i just found them the other day oh i wish i'd known you were going to ask that because i would have pulled them out business cards i found at book soup in la that say i'm being a dick and i just can't stop uh, oh so it wasn't so something chance- you came up with it was something you found and you thought oh that would be no it was something i found at book soup and i said to book soup can i order 50 packets of these for our wedding guests <laughs> And that was the wedding favors. Because um, there's self-awareness in that, that it's not a total delusional, because totally delusional fantasy of romance is that you'll never fight. So I thought yeah. that was a very telling moment in the marriage where you kind of, there was a level that you were in reality that it would be difficult. Yeah. Or was it more just a cute thing? <laughs> Or no, or it's too far the other way and people who had fought that much already had no business getting married. Right. You know, Ben says we were really brave and we were really stupid. And I think there's something in that, you know. Um, And, yeah, it's, it's also... There's, I'm sure you've both been through this with love stories as well. There's something sort of exquisitely almost deliciously painful when you're associating either an entire city with a love story or let alone a country like you know I've been back in the UK since like this is I'm back in in London which is the source of all shame because you leave the place you grew up in because it wounded you and you go somewhere else yeah and to end up back in that spot and go am I big and tough enough and grown up enough to be in the place that made me feel unattractive and stupid and gross and broken and all of those. It's very humbling. Things. And yeah. 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 And I think, I'm, you know, I'm here for a reason, but I think about LA when people ask me if I miss LA, especially when you're in Europe, like they're so snotty about LA. And I just think it's such a magical, beautiful, amazing place. Um, I actually think there's, something um specifically energetically powerful about cities places that get earthquakes places that um ha- and it's not necessarily i'm not saying it's a good energy i'm saying it's a power is this energy. ley lines are we talking about ley lines no no, no just okay. like mexico city okay. yeah um haiti is famous oh. for great writers and i just think um san francisco um I think there's something to that. But then on the other hand, for me, the key to good writing is being in movement. So I did always find it hard to be in a car city because if I'm in London and I'm in any way stuck, none of the writing happens at the at the computer. I will take a day and try and make sure I have as many different modes of transport in a day as possible. I will walk to a bus and take the bus to a tube 
and take the tube to a train. And I swear by the end of that, I fixed whatever I was stuck on in my life. Yeah. Something about a car is not like a train. Yes. Thinking. Because like you can't interrupt stories. it and jot anything and down. Just, yeah. There's something life. about, yeah. yeah, a car does not make you feel like writing the way walking or a train or something does. But Ioni, as you're, I don't know, how deep are you into writing the book? I'm sort of in the beginning, kind of beginning, like, yeah, a couple First months. First three yeah. or four chapters. You've yeah, written. where, I mean. And are, you, are you finding those funny moments where your own life did, did or does lay out in structure? In a, it, like it has, it does, you can follow um, almost like a screen structure without having to invent it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you mean like thematically or just like, yeah, 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 for sure. And yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to discover more, which I'm excited about and I'm ready to. Yeah. But speaking of all this psychological stuff, are you just yeah. naturally analytical? You're like, not only is your writing just so the level, like I have to sort of put it to bed that I'm Truman Capote because I am not, but I want to be, but I'm me, right? But you're right. You're like a proper writer and your writing is brilliant, but you're just so astute and analytical. Like, um, you, 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 well, you're a, just naturally. No, I mean, no, no, to be completely honest, you know, when my brain started firing at the next level, is when they legalized cannabis in LA. And up until then, I had never been a drug person ever. And, you know, clearly like cannabis is barely a drug, um, but I'm pretty by nature, straight edge, the thinking being like, I probably wouldn't have been a self-harmer if I at least sometimes had smoked weed or drunk a little bit or something, but I never did. Anyway, cannabis was legalized before I left LA. And I was like, well, you know, I'm 40 now. I'm, I, I'm not going to turn this down in like gummy sweet form. Um, and it really works for me. I don't overload it. But every time I'm in LA, I stock up. Um, and Note to customs it, officials for your next income flight <laughs> to the yeah, UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my brain's worked much better ever since I did that. Um, and like I say, it'll be like just every couple of days and I'm a lightweight and I'm tight. I'm five foot one. So it's like a quarter of a gummy. Um, so in terms of being analytical, I've been able to make much clearer, more concise and precise sense of things since that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the answer anyone's looking for, but I would say you mentioned Capote, who is one of my you know, top five of all time, all time. And the the, sec the Capote secret is that in your head, when you think about Capote, the writing, the prose is so lush and Southern and musical. When you reread it really carefully, it's incredibly spare. Mm. It's very, he, he uses far fewer words than you think he does. Mm. That's my top tip to anyone trying to write is say if you can say what you mean to say in as few words as possible you're you're doing well and I think that's why I always come back to my favorite lyricists over and over again or even how much I enjoyed when comedians 
who hadn't been funny in like 30 years joined Twitter and had to be right. funny in 40 characters. And then you got like Steve Martin being genius, yeah. Albert Brooks, totally. being, you know, better than anything they've done in decades. Um, so yeah, l- l- just take, take away words, say, say less. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, beautiful babies. I'm Ben Lee. And I'm Ioni Sky, And we are the hosts of Weirder Together podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, you might like some of the podcasts that our friends make and release on the Weirder Together podcast network. Like punk legend Jello Biafra's Renegade Roundtable. Multidisciplinary artist Brock Enright's trippy sonic journey, Vague Data. Making Ways, the art of music, an exploration of the ways that musicians and visual artists communicate and collaborate. Raw Impressions with Lou Barlow and Adele Barlow. I love that, one of my favorite married couples. And The Blag Show with Sarah and Sally, a collection of never-before-heard vintage interviews with legendary artists. And The Future of Being a Musician with Ben Lee. Find these pods on your favorite podcast platform now. Love ya. Something you said before, you were talking about looking at your past marriage and the way you would idealize partners. And uh, Emma, you you know you you have several passages in the book where you talk about this, and I, I really wanted to hear you guys compare notes on this. But uh, yeah, you know that that amazing bit where you're talking about like Joan Baez and Bob Dylan and how you wanted to yeah. be Bob. You didn't want to be Joan Baez. Yeah. And, and there's, it made me think of, um, you know, I studied in high school. It's funny the things that stay with you. There's one poem we did in high school, um, this Yeats poem, Leader and the Swan, that, yeah. you know, is about Zeus coming down as a swan and raping Leader and how it's this yeah. part of mythology. Yeah. And the question at the end is basically, what did she get out of it? Um, yeah. and, and I just think this question of being a creative, powerhouse of a woman but it's so much more societally societally acceptable to become a cheerleader for a man who's a creative yeah. powerhouse oh look at your cap um i just that was very i thought that was very powerful thank you and i have continued to think a lot about um joan Baez post divorce because she did get diamonds and rust out of that and um she was important and powerful before she met him and it taps into that idea I talk about of when you go through that corrosive breakup that just breaks you down is trying to remember what size you were in the first place. It's like Alice in Wonderland, like, is it, am I too big? Am I too small? What size was I? And I've thought about Joan Byers and how she was Joan before she met Bob. And Chrissy Hind is still Chrissy Hind after she was divorced from Ray Davies. You know, they're both brilliant. Um, and I've talked a lot um, about my admiration for Eve Babbitt's. This probably uh, there's many that LA writers I adore. Oh, really? I grew up next. So, to her. I'm sure, you have stories uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to reading. 
Um, <laughs> but someone who was both um, groupy and muse. Mm. She had great taste in. It's not just that it was famous men because she was sleeping with Harrison Ford when he was a pot dealer. Mm. You know, she knew what was coming. She could pick up. She had like an energetic uh, ability to pick up, you know, that wild magnetic thing that was going to be next. But she is also a spectacular writer. And I think that's quite disturbing for people when you put up your hand and like, I could be both. Yeah. I could, I could in a very base way. I talk in the book about that moment of realizing I, I I've slept over and well not over and over because I hadn't slept with that many people. I had these intense romantic escapades with men I wanted to be like. I think um, the complexity is overwhelming for a lot of people of uh, Eve Babbitt, who is, I'm sure by her own admission to some extent, absolutely groupy and also brilliant, brilliant artist. That's something completely different from being a Joan Baez or from being a Chrissy Hind, from being a, it, it, it's something else. And and I think she had, Eve had such a true love for genius. And that's something I really relate to. Is I sort of don't care what field anyone is in. I am a whore for brilliance, mm. basically. <laughs> like, I really, you could be a brilliant gardener, and I'm like, I love you, yeah. you know. So, that I think I'm probably going to need to recalibrate if I want, if I want to be with someone long term, which I'm not even sure that I do want to be. But if I did, I'm not sure it's a completely generous way to live to only like permit people who are brilliant at things. Well, I was wondering about that because. You know, I, I feel I relate a lot in that I've liked standing very close to madness, like warming my hands by the fire. Like, you know, whether it's like right. I worked with Daniel Johnston and Harmony Korean and Evan Dando and, you know, yeah. lunatics. So, like, I, I like them. I always found them very, like, full of life. But I also found the inherent lack of boundaries that those types yeah. of creative people have to be sort of dangerous to my emotional well-being in a sense. And I wondered if as you got older and as a parent, if it felt safe to invite those people into your life in the same way. Not a, yeah, it's so funny. I was thinking about that today, I guess because I knew we were going to talk and I was thinking about the years between your voice in my head and busy being free. And your voice in my head is much more a, a, a document about mental health and poor mental health and falling out of love with the idea of, of craziness. Um, because of course, in my mental health journey, I got very, very lucky in that a brilliant psychiatrist beyond being a mensch also gave me the combination of medications that I'm on 20 years later successfully, you know, and many people with mental health stuff never get the right medicine. It doesn't exist or it doesn't happen in the right combination. Um, I, I know myself, I know that I need to kind of watch what I eat and that's not about weight. It's about like brain food. Um, I know that I'm definitely better off if I exercise just because I can get so overwhelmed by a bad feeling. And sort of one of the easiest ways to get a bad feeling off you is to sweat, you know, to get hot or get cold, like in an ice bath. Um, but yes, all these years later, especially being a parent, can't have crazy near me. Mm. Um, and it's bewildering often for people because of all the books I've written, the, the most beloved is your voice in my head. Um, and 
it's confusing for them that they could reach out. And I, I've literally, this is a horrible story, but I've had some a friend reach out and say, I have a friend who feels suicidal. They're a huge fan of your voice in my head. Can I connect you to talk? I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't do it. I'm really sorry. I can't. And they did kill themselves. Oh. And that's, they didn't do that because I wouldn't engage with them. Yeah. But... Uh, it's it's different being a parent. Yeah, you know? I know the sensitivity to things like that. Like sometimes I can take it and sometimes I can't. Like we have a friend right now who's going through a lot and I just, it's like, it's, it's not, so, it was like, not, was it worth it? I couldn't sleep for like three nights after talking to her because it was too, it was a lot. It just... And then sometimes I find I can take in things that are a little more intense. But um, yeah, with meeting Ben, I really wanted, I really responded to his sort of health and um, a certain type of health because you you sort of went off the deep end. I with, got my own issues. With the know, going yeah. into cults and yeah, all yeah. of that for a while. Yeah. But there was a sort of I brought some new issues that you hadn't dealt with yet, I know. which was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but it was I I did not believe that you could have a dynamic sexual like relationship with someone who is artistic yeah. who is also healthy. But I saw yeah. these like self-help books with couples that looked really like terrible to me, but they were like, we love fucking and we also are healthy. And I'm like, that doesn't exist. <laughs> but I thought if that yeah. might exist and I opened up, it's, I don't know though, because I have no idea what um, happened where I got to be with someone who was like creative and interesting but also healthy i've no idea well i think you opened up to it i maybe that's, but that's i still idea, i'm i'm know? i don't want to believe like there was some thing i followed that i could do but anyway so far so good but anyway it was kind of yeah. worked out but yes that's it's true sometimes you can't get on the phone with i don't know it's hard with people who are in a space, a certain space is, I'm, I'm, I, it's not that I feel like I'm going to catch, but I do like, sometimes I walk down the street and if someone has, if they're talking to themselves or something, I've always felt like I can catch that. I can catch, like, I didn't want to do LSD because I was like, I'll be schizophrenic. Like I just, I'm you know. It's called being Jewish. For me, the way I see it is this idea of a trap door in my brain mm. that I've had so many good years I have nothing bad psychologically has happened I mean the 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 dark times have been um uh reasonable you know it's things that I've gone well I'm right to be this upset or to feel this crazy about this um and I get scared the residual is because my problem was much more with mania than with depression if I feel ecstatic about something that is always that awful tiny little voice going are you having a manic episode mm -hmm. when in fact I'm just overjoyed yeah. you know and beautiful and wonderful and um that's a bummer that bums me out just the idea of uh, is there a trapdoor in my brain that could just give way if I tread on it wrong mm. do you, that bothers me do you still have you know you've you directed a, f a feature do you still have ambitions mm -hmm. in film or in other mediums 
Yeah, I do. I like so I made a film called Untogether that I wrote and directed that was all set on foot in LA because my experience pre-Uber as someone who didn't have a driver's license in LA, I just saw such a different side of the city, I felt. Um, and I wanted to get that on film. And that side Jemima Kirk and Lola Kirk, um, Jamie Dornan and, and Ben Mendelssohn, my ex. Um, and I loved doing that. And something I especially loved about it was that edit was the idea that you wrote a film and then the film you made is a little bit different and then you can make something else Mm. in the editing suite that was pretty glorious um uh I am adapting busy being free this book as a television series um for a company called bad wolf who make doctor who and who makes succession awesome Um, congratulations uh Yeah, and I, of course, would love to direct an episode of that. Um, Go for episode four or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I definitely would love to work again with Jemima Kirk because I feel she sort of, um, I don't know, I guess as Meg Ryan was the avatar for Nora Ephron, I really enjoyed having Jemima as my avatar because she also looks like the much much more beautiful refined version of me which is like I can completely go I even gave her my hair I can go with that like Christopher Nolan gives every actor his hair <laughs> I love that I love when I, like I would, Jane Campion did something at room at the top where everyone had lo- like gray hair, and long it- gray hair. <laughs> yeah I love that so um I'd be very into that. Oh, great. I'd be very into that. Do you know the family, yeah. like the Lorraine, the mom, and the whole? Because you, you're like cut from the same cloth, right? I've come to know Lorraine a little bit through the girls. Um, yeah, and I love with Lola Kirk and Jemima Kirk. I something I'm crazy about with them is that they're both so delicious, but they're so different. And when I was searching in my brain for, they were giving me a sense memory of something, and I suddenly realized after the film was finished. It was the first time I saw Rocky Horror Picture Show. One of them is Magenta and one of them is Columbia. So Jemima is Magenta is like the the goth with all the big crazy hair. And Lola is like the all-American tap dancing kind of. That's amazing. I just, I'm I'm not so We just, we bumped into Lola recently at a, um, we went with Soko to a, queer aerobics class that's like really happening on the east side yeah that family is very um easy to fall in love with with, actually you tap into something speaking of weirder together i noticed and they really exacerbated this for me when i'm attracted to someone i'm attracted to the entire family Mm. and i would include in that like i'm attracted to the grandma yeah all of yeah and and that is something really Interesting. Yeah, Ioni's writing about the Zappers at the moment, about because she grew up okay. in their household, sort of, you know, and it's yeah. a lot about that. It's about the whole family. Yeah, between energy. the whole family, I fooled around with both the sons. <laughs> I had like heavenly creatures with Moon Zappa. I was like hunting down Frank because he was like hot as hell and like mysterious. Yeah. I was Gail Zappa's yeah. daughter. Like you get. What was yeah. I don't know if it's you want to be adopted basically. if it's Brideshead revisited, but there's one great book that has a great line about falling in love with the whole family, like not Brideshead revisited, but that yeah. idea of infiltrating or like falling in love with the whole family is so romantic, and mm. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, I just want to encourage, like, 
in the most heartfelt way that everybody listening or watching this pick up this book. It is juicy. I mean, it is like- I mean, listen, this is a bad thing, but you know, The Guest, I was reading The Guest, which is like the hot book Are you about to diss The Guest? Yes. (laughs) I stopped reading The Guest and I was reading both and I was like, I like this one. Also, where else are you going to read about Ryan Gosling moving a baby change table? Oh, that was a great, do you want to hear that one? Yes, please. It was a very good one. When I was heavily pregnant, and Ben was trying to move very heavy uh, baby furniture up the stairs. What is it? Um, The changing table, like a big proper oak heavy thing. And he's like, fuck's sake, American men are such fucking poofters. I'm never going to get any fucking help. And he's like, Ryan's Canadian. I wonder if he could. And it turned out that Ryan Gosling got his mover's license when he made Blue Valentine. When he played a mover in Blue Valentine, he got his mover's license. So he came and moved the baby furniture expertly, I might say. Left a bit, right a bit, just take a turn on this corner. Incredible. Yeah. And I also want your listeners to know that I am at Romans Pasadena on the 23rd of October in the evening, if you're around. Wait, Yay. what's happening? I'm reading Yay. from the book. I'm doing a- oh, Amazing. In LA. On October, October 23rd? 23rd. Ben's putting it I'm in I'm putting his- it in my yeah. calendar. I'll be back Brilliant. from I Australia. Hope That's yeah. great. Okay. Um, amazing. And I only, if you want a reader, I'm dying to read your memoir anytime. Oh, that would be incredible. I feel like I got a mini masterclass from you already, so I will. Well, thank you so thank much you. for yeah. Thanks for sending this, and just so good to reconnect with you. I feel like like family or something with you. Like I feel very close to you. Oh, do you want to? You want to say our audience are called the beautiful babies. You want to say farewell to them. <laughs> Farewell to the beautiful babies. That was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. All right, lots of love. <laughs> Bye, cutie. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.